Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow men, hoping we can make Yeah, world is trying to make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, we do. We do because we're not doing this on our own. We're doing this under the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're seeking what God would have us do to make the world a better place. That's what we love to do here at The Catch. We love to connect people's faith to connect your faith to the world around you. And uh, we like to call it that we're all becoming marketplace Christians, not Christians isolated from the world, but Christians in the world, very much a part of it and looking for what God is doing uh, with his kingdom in the world. And our guest tonight is someone who has been doing that for some years and probably the the one person I think who can speak to the kingdom of God in the world probably better than anybody I know of. Um, he is gifted in so many amazing ways. Um, he's he's a brilliant businessman, um, a marketeer. He is involved uh, with uh, his most of his career has been consulting, um, helping business businesses to grow and to do what they do better um re, and uh, what what we call change management and culture or culture transformation um we're going to actually I want to come back to that because I really want to hear him talk about what he means by culture transformation that'll be a cool one but uh, we're going to start out with what he's doing right now, which is his newest venture is a training uh, program for uh, business entrepreneurs. It's called Leadership Institute for Entrepreneurs, or LIFE, and um, this is a this is a marvelous program of that uh, provides whole product solutions including a five-day MIT-level entrepreneurship boot camp. That sounds fun. Uh, Funding access, startup, and scaling coaching and connecting to a global community of subject matter experts and trusted relationships to grow, develop your business. And uh, because uh, our guest is a committed Christian, uh, this all has a kingdom thrust to it. And uh, that's what makes it very exciting. So uh, our guest, Michael McCausland, um, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Michael. Well, thanks, John. I'm very excited to be with you. Uh, it's been fun to just to start to catch up since we haven't talked for a while, but very excited about yeah. what you're doing and very excited to be part of the radio show today. Fantastic. Um 
we have a Michael. We have a rare mix of citizens in our community, and um, I think you'd be interested to know that um, uh, our primary audience is made up mainly of the of Boomer generation. But we we're pretty proud of the fact that uh, we have more male readers than female, and that's kind of a uh, for you know a Chris, Christian community. That's a little unusual, and. Uh, we added to that mix is a whole new group who's found us without us even trying. Uh, we have a number of millennials who are coming and, and uh, they like the way we talk about faith and culture and uh, you know, the between ages of 18 and 29 and, uh, and even stranger is the fact that, that both these groups are enjoying each other's company and uh, uh, partnering. Um, and I think you're probably, doing some of that with your new work. And so uh, Mar- Marty has, uh, is, is one of your biggest fans and believes that you have come up with a winning combination here for exactly what millennials want and what boomers need. And uh, this kind of value-based immersion experience to equip the next generation of business leaders. Um, and as well, I think, you know, probably something that, that us older folks uh, could benefit from as well, because we still need to get up to speed um, with the uh, with these younger younger guys. That's we've got one on our board now. <laughs> so, if this is all true, help us understand what life entrepreneurs is all about. Excellent. Well, you know, just a comment before I share on life. I really like the idea that you're engaging multiple generations because one of the greatest challenges in the workforce today is age discrimination against the elderly. If you're past 50 Hmm. and you get laid off, it's very difficult to get a job. And there's a lot of companies that focus exclusively on millennials, especially startups, uh, millennials working together, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, there's so much to be gained from all the generations. I mean, reverse mentoring is a process that's ongoing today where the older people are helping mentor the young people in certain areas of life and leadership and, and long-term thinking, and the younger generation is mentoring the older generation on technology and new marketing and, uh, you know, the millennial culture. So it's a exciting thing Fantastic. to see. With, uh, with the cultures engaging or the ages engaging, you know, in an organization. Well, life was formed uh, from a lot of work that we had done internationally. I've had a, a consulting company, as you mentioned, for many years, have worked uh, with very large companies, have enjoyed it, focusing on change management, culture transformation, organizational alignment, strategy development. And I'd love to talk maybe more about that after. But What happened was we were engaged in the humanitarian space, the international mission space, which I've been in now for about 23 years. Mm -hmm. So we ended up starting a nonprofit while I'm running my for-profit businesses, and I've had anywhere from one to seven going at any given time over the last number of years. But we wanted to help uh, in emerging economies um, all over the world and ended up focusing on business development because we found that giving people free stuff did nothing but create dependency and destroy dignity and stifle creativity and lack of ownership Mm. where if you help people start businesses, 
there's a tremendous amount of dignity and ownership and creativity and innovation in that. The greatest need in the world today is a good job. And our organization ended up operating in over 150 countries, so we saw the front lines of the worst places in the world for poverty with water and health and education and things like that. But the number one need in the world today is still a good job. So we ended up Mm. focusing on business development and job creation. We ended up launching thousands of businesses in many different countries But what we did find was all the businesses that we were launching were micro and small businesses. And micro businesses don't transform society. And we wanted to have a larger impact. So we started to look for models all over the world that we could find, especially being an entrepreneur myself. I didn't want to go get a four-year degree in entrepreneurship. I didn't want to go to a semester I wanted an immersion event. Give it to me. Give it me. Give it. Give me everything. Give it to me now. Let me figure it out. <laughs> and of course, I loved the MIT's Global Entrepreneurship Bootcamp, which is a six-day immersion event that goes from seven in the morning, and your mentor checkups are at midnight. So wow. I uh, I <laughs> went to their bootcamp and went to their instructor bootcamp. Got certified to train their program. And so now we train the Entrepreneurship Boot Camp. We also train some short courses um, that teach the MIT systematic approach to entrepreneurship that's been developed over 25 years and 25,000 startups. We also um, uh, teach uh, a front-end component to that course that we call identity-driven entrepreneurship. And the reason we call it identity-driven is because we help people identify who they are and what their gift is, which leads to purpose and destiny. And what we want to do is have people start companies, fast-growth, scalable, innovation-driven companies that are identity-driven because if they understand their gift and who they are, then they can build a company around who they are. And so we look for great business ideas that align with who they are We design a kingdom culture that's aligned with who they are. And so when they build uh, a new company that's aligned with their identity, we call that identity-driven entrepreneurship. So we do the the boot camp, we do short courses, and we're also coming out with an online program with live coaching uh, within the next month. Mike, where is the uh, – now – where, where's the kingdom influence here? Is it is it right out front? Is it a little bit behind the scenes? Do you do you have a lot of people coming to your program who aren't Christians? Does that matter? What well, explain a little bit Good of that? Good questions. Uh, Good questions. Me. Good questions. And there's a lot of different approaches in a lot of this, but you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference between a Christian business and a kingdom business. A Christian business tends to have a lot of verbiage associated with it, Christianese. A kingdom business mm-hmm. is really based on original design uh, for business in, in, by God. And so we go back to original design, and in that way, we don't have to use Christianese language to share uh, eternal principles. For example, when we talk about what is the purpose of work, and we ask people that, most people will say, well, I, you know, it's to make money to pay the bills. 
And yet, you know, we were laboring in the Garden of Eden with our father, so work is uh, ordained from the Garden of Eden. And the purpose of work Mm. is not to make money. I ask people all over the world, what's your gift? Do you have a gift? And even in the, the most difficult places, the dumps of Jakarta, in Indonesia, we ask people, do you have a gift? Everybody knows they're good at something. And so when they say, yes, we know we have a gift, my, my next statement is, do you know your gift is not for you? And that creates a puzzling look. And they say, what do you mean by that? And I tell them that your gift was given to you to serve others. And by serving others with your gift, we create this plug and play of humanity and community like Lego blocks. I serve you with my gift. You serve others with your gift. And, of course, the Bible says that the worker is worthy of his wages. So the purpose of work is not to make money. The purpose of work is to serve others with your gift. And if you do serve with your gift, you should be remunerated in some form or fashion. In most cases, that is money. In some other societies, it may not be. You may be trading and bartering for goods. But then we go on to define business and wealth and profit. For example, profit is the concept of fruitfulness. Um, if you are a fruitful tree or a, or a plant or a vegetable, you produce after your own kind, and you should produce an abundant, after, abundant crop after your own kind. That's fruitfulness. That's profit. So an organization that's not profitable is not fruitful. So we redefine hmm. all these terms, and then we integrate them into a culture that values people, that tries to unlock their gift and their skill set. And when we can unlock people in their gift and in their skill, they can achieve their purpose. And then we talk about destiny being a team sport. And so it's important that we together steward one another's destinies within our culture. So we start to create a culture that's very kingdom. And all of these principles are eternal principles, but however we explain them, we don't have to use Christianese terminology to explain these principles and people understand them they know it's true so it does not matter if they are believers or non-believers they all agree that the principles are true and so we want to build companies that are blessing the people serving the people unlocking the people so that they can serve with their gift and find purpose and destiny wow is that exciting why has it taken us so long to be able to do this? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I think we've been we've been caught with with uh, like you say the Christianese. We've been caught with Christian over here and and world over here, and no one has no one has really learned how to talk truth to people. You know, I mean, Jesus didn't talk in Christianese. <laughs> he just right. talked, and well, and he he forced people to think about what he was saying. And and I think we're it's so hard for us. We just we always grab for these simple labels and ways of uh, you know, uh, pigeonholing and categorizing things. And I I love just listening to you talk because it it just opens truth up to the whole world to us here. 
Well, I think your statement about, you know, why so long, and you mentioned the sacred secular mm-hmm. divide, which in the West we tend to uh, focus on, where in yep. much of the world they don't even understand that concept, and life is integrated in, in both the sacred and the secular. You know, one of the things that we're seeing is a transition that's been occurring over the last 10 to 15 years. And so it takes time, but we're heading in the right direction. 15 years ago, if you went into an organization, a missions organization, and you talked about businesses' missions, um, you know, they looked at you very skeptically. Today, uh, there, it's hard to find a missions organization that does not have a businesses' mission strategy. Now, I don't like that term because it's not business as. Business is a calling. Business is an ordained uh, activity. As I said, we Mm. worked in the Garden of Eden, and labor was ordained way before there were churches. And so I think that what we're seeing, though, today, I talk about it as a movement. And the reason I say it's a movement, not just an idea, because it's permeated every aspect of society worldwide, no matter where you travel in the world today, and, and, and we've worked in 150 countries, the concept of business and, and the, the mission or sharing our, our, our faith is one that business people and missions people worldwide are interested in. And so it's, it's um, permeated all society, hmm. it's permeated all nations, it's permeated all work environments, it's permeated all missions environments. So it's a global movement right now, and, and we're at the front of that movement because there's actually many stages to a movement from an incubation stage when catalytic leaders are talking about it to getting operational leaders involved that we start to lay foundations and, and create framework, and we're really at that stage of this global movement right now is that there's a lot of discussion on creating framework and collaboration vehicles which will move from just promotion of concept to operational integration. So we're heading down that road. We're at the very front end of it. But it is global, and it is permeating all aspects of society today. Wow. Um, Someone coming to your program, um, do do they have an idea? Do they... Do they think in their mind, well, this is a Christian group, or no, that's just not even out front there? Um, well, we've had both both people, uh, both believers and non-believers, mm-hmm. come to the training, and both of them, you know, love it just alike. And they both walk cool. away going, wow, we just understand so much more. And, and just as an FYI, in understanding life, our goal, whether you have a business idea or not, when you come to the training, is we help you figure out how to get a good business idea and then how to validate whether that business idea can be a sustainable business as well as profitable, as well as how long it takes to become profitable as we work through all Mm -hmm. the finances of the build-out of the business. So you actually fail in class many times before you go out and start a business and fail. Yeah. But people come that are both... Uh, believers and non-believers. But what we're basically saying is that all the things that work well in the business world are kingdom principles. 
Well, it, it is, is when right? we look at this concept. It's true when we look at this concept of identity-driven entrepreneurship. Uh, when we look at the 25,000 startups in 25 decades or 25 years of experience at MIT and what they've learned, we can look at a systematic approach to entrepreneurship, and I think that's very important because you know the current gap between training and supply and demand is filled today with storytelling. You know, the typical entrepreneur tries to learn how to start their company through trial and error, reading some books and listening to other people tell their stories. So storytelling is no substitute for a systematic approach, and that's what MIT teaches. But MIT stops mm. their training at the, at the launch phase, where you actually go out and launch your operation. They give you everything to build the foundation, um, but they don't deal with identity-driven entrepreneurship. And so what we find is personal hmm. purpose in business is one of the absolute keys. Passion and purpose are critical in business success. So there's some things even before business knowledge that we have to get hmm. right if the business is going to be successful. And that's where we get into all of the issues with identity and purpose and gifting and destiny and passion and culture. I mean, the top guy at MIT, Bill Owlett, said, you know, I made a mistake with my first company by not focusing on culture, and it failed. Mm -hmm. I did not make that mistake again. And so culture wow. is absolutely critical. And we know from the millennials that culture is one of the most critical issues of building a successful company. Great. I'm glad you brought that up because that I, I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about that a little bit more. What do you mean by transforming uh, culture and um, how does that fit in to the, to the training? Culture transformation, we started doing this back in the late 80s, early 90s when the power utilities started deregulating. And what you had, I used to run nuclear power plants. I was a licensed reactor operator by the NRC. And, and consulted at a lot of the nuclear plants. And, and what we found was as the industry deregulated, people could buy their power and they had choices. And so the union plants, which were, were union-run uh, operations, had to move from passing on all uh, costs and maintenance or capital costs as a rate hike to consumers they had to move towards becoming a competitive environment, which was a completely different culture than what they were established with. Now, I've worked now with, with teams all over the world. Culture transformation is about transforming a current culture into a new type of culture and the process to do that. They say it takes typically three to ten years to change a large organization's culture, uh, we've done it successfully in nine months with up to 20,000 people in the, in the organization. So culture transformation mm. really is a skill set. Process reengineering is something that more and more people are getting good at, but what I really focus on is the people mm -hmm. side of change for culture transformation. And today it's okay. critical in every organization because one of the greatest challenges today is Almost all workforce uh, employees are traumatized because of the pace of change and what's going on around them. So we deal with the traumatized mm. workforce as well and how to help cultures create stability, 
and um, and engagement and empowerment and things like that. And that would be a transformation effort today in, in most organizations. Could you give me, uh, Mike, could you give me uh, uh, an easy example uh, for for my non-business mind to to grab on to uh, an example of cultural culture transformation, maybe something that would just be a picture. Sure. Um, and, and again, we could apply this to any plant, any environment, but I was working in a, in an organization that had over a thousand people. They were a very hierarchical uh, driven organization and, um, um, but also very relational. So it was very clannish. Uh, and, of course, union organizations are very relational like that. Well, they had a problem. They had to shut down their organization. It was an operating plant. And they had to bring in a bunch of people to fix the problems, which were very task-oriented. And so they wanted to transform the company. And so when we look at, for example, culture is defined by the values we choose. And the values are not what's written up on the wall that really work, but what does management actually value and reward within the company? Because it doesn't matter what it says on mm. the wall. It matters what they do. Yeah. And so we would talk about you need to define behavior statements. So, for example, if one of your values is customer service, what does that mean? Well, customer service means that when my customer has a problem, I'm going to sit and talk to them to understand what the real issue is. That's a behavior statement that uh, explains what customer service is. I'm going to sit down and talk with them and understand the problem. Well, a transformation of culture would be we want to do more of this kind of behavior and less of this kind of behavior. So we'd actually write two behavior statements. Here's how we're doing it now, but we want to do less of that. Hmm. So currently our customer services, you know, we put them on hold on, on a telephone system and, um, and we ask them to give us feedback, but we don't really sit down and talk to them. So maybe the old behavior that we're trying to stop doing and do less of is just getting feedback forms and having our customers tell us their problem. What we want to do more mm. of is sit down and explore the issues with our customer, unpack what the problem is, and what we could do to help them. See, they're different behaviors. So that's how we transform culture. We define what we're going to do more of and what cool. we're going to do less of. Hmm. Ah, that helps. That helps a lot. That's fantastic. Um, well, gosh, uh, time's moving on here. Um, do you uh, – Marty wants to know if um, you're working internationally. Are you looking for international investment partners um, and what does a quality international partner look like? Uh, what kind of qualities are you looking for in an investor? Well, we're doing a lot of things right now. I'm, I'm actually going to be in L.A. in the not-too-distant future to translate our first Chinese uh, translation of the entrepreneurship training for a multi-city tour in China. And we have probably six or eight other countries right now that are asking us to start looking at coming there. Um, although I have a great burden for America as well because we have a desperate need for jobs here in many different ways. But um, mm. more what we're looking for are partners both in networks and within regions to launch the training in different parts of the world. We have some different models that we're doing like affiliate marketing, uh, hosting programs. 
We're also looking at people that want to help us launch uh, campus facilities uh, in different locations around the world. So as far as investors go, there are opportunities for investment. We are looking at some rapid growth opportunities. And, you know, in those situations, you know, what we do is we build relationship first. So we would love to get to know some people if they're interested. We're looking for people that want to help us grow this capability on a global scale. And so, you know, if we engage team members like that, uh, obviously we would have to build a very strong relationship for where we're going. And you're talking here about, um, you know, like we said before, uh, the, uh, the, the number one need in the world is, is, uh, is a good job. That's and exactly you, right. I mean, go ahead. No, that's right. Go ahead. Finish. Uh, so that's yeah, really so what that's we're. It is. We're talking about a, a good job no matter where you go in the world, whether you're in missions or you're a Christian in business. If you want to touch communities, hiring people is the, is the best way that you will ever impact their life. So we are looking for people that want to help launch businesses all over the world, but our company, what we say is we train and we create anti-fragile, gritty entrepreneurs, not companies. We create entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurs create the companies. So we're looking for help yeah. to create entrepreneurs all over the world. Now, is that does, is that any any age group? Are you working mostly with uh, with younger people? Or are you getting some some uh, boomers in into your program too? In in the U.S., number one startup right now is age fifty four to or fifty five to sixty four is the number one startup in the United States. Uh, if you're in China, oh. it's eighteen to thirty four. So it depends on where you are. We're working with all age groups, um, and you know I'm very personally excited about millennials because of where they're at and the potential. We believe that more companies will be started in the next twenty years than all of history combined. Hmm. So could we be actually saying that missions, can we go as far as to say that, that missions uh, are now business? It's, it's really, is it taken over or at least would you like well, to see no. that happen? <laughs> the, the front end uh, of the missions world in what's evolving, as I said, in business as missions um, is about five to 10% of the missions world. Uh, there, it's still very new in that world. There's still a lot of, uh, of okay. challenges. There's a lot of uh, things that need to be clarified to understand properly what we're talking about. And so in the Christian business world, they're trying to understand purpose and how to serve and love people. In the missions world, they still have their mission, and they're trying to figure out how to use business to do it. So we have some very different approaches to the business ideas. Mm. And is that okay? Um, do you uh, do you think that would you like to see that change? How would you like to see that affected? Um, well, I, I think that different viewpoints are always good because everybody has uh, different value to add to the equation. I think that in my perspective is that we need to go back to the original design. Uh, of work and business and wealth and profit and and leadership and stewardship to understand the true meanings of those words and then engage them in everything we do. Whether you are a for-profit 
or a nonprofit, you are still in the business of serving your customers. You still must be profitable or you will cease to exist. And we still apply these eternal principles. And so I think the idea of sharing our lives and being a, an example and salt and light, I think that applies whether you're in a for-profit or a nonprofit. So I think the key that I'd love to see is that we engage these eternal principles in how we run our organization, whether it's a for-profit, a nonprofit, a, a business, or a ministry. Great. Well, um, just one more, a couple more things, and, and uh, this is so much fun. But I, I would like, you know, I, I want to turn it a little bit to, to our people, to the people who are listening, uh, to our group who have been uh, catch members for some time now. You know, our ministry sprouted, sprouted grassroots movements uh, to carry the message of freedom and grace. We call it grace turned outward um, to the local communities. And um, I bet you could help us get the message out to a broader audience, and, you know, how to permeate whole networks with the grace turned outward message. Um, um, should we come attend your boot camp or, or um, you know, how, how, could, how can what you're doing help us in what we're doing? Does that, am I, you know, is that making sense? It is, it is. And I was going to mention to you, whether on the site or on the program, the idea of uh, going through the boot camp and understanding this, these concepts and this process. I mean, I'm very excited about what you're doing. And uh, obviously, I love the freedom uh, concept and the grace turned outward, because that's what we've been talking about on our end relative to serving others with your gift. I think, you know, right. what we take people through is understanding um, especially with the MIT materials, understanding markets, understanding um, how you position your organization, your value proposition, how your financials and your business model work. And that's true for a nonprofit as much as a uh, uh, for-profit. So I think there's a tremendous value whether you're, you know, no matter what kind of organization you are and whether you're running uh, or haven't started yet. Because, again, the systematic approach takes you through all the pieces. And I've had mm -hmm. all different levels of experience come through the training. Uh, our website, Life Entrepreneurs, with one E, L-I-F-E-N, lifeentrepreneurs.com, uh, and our Facebook page by the same name. We've got a ton of, uh, of uh, testimonials on there. And uh, I've had MBAs say they've, they've gotten their MBA in two days of the training. And so it's valuable for everybody, and we would just love to be able to engage what you're doing and help you move that along. Well, that's great. And I, I love what you're talking about, too, that you're really you're talking about people. You're talking about the leaders, not necessarily the companies. Is that, did I that's get that correct. right? That's correct. So we're I mean, building because, into – Because companies are based on leaders, and, you know, they're the ones driving it. So that uh, – uh, John Fisher, who has probably maybe one business cell in his brain somewhere, if we look hard <laughs> enough, uh, uh, could 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 get something out of this uh, this experience. <laughs> well, I'll give you an example. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with Youth with a Mission. Oh uh, yeah. Youth with a Mission. YWAM people are very close friends on many, many fronts. I have a lot of friends in YWAM. I'm actually doing a number of in-house training courses for the YWAM teams, 
And what I have found is even with these youth that are not business-focused, they have not only grasped the concepts, they've actually been able to adjust businesses that they've already started that were losing money to create for-profit or profitable, not for-profit, but profitable ventures. Some are for-profit, some Mm. are non-profit. And so we're finding that the principles, uh, not only the identity-driven entrepreneurship, but the MIT principles, we are boiling them down to the very core, and we're finding that everybody that's coming through the training is able to grasp and apply them. Wow. This sounds really good. This sounds fun. Well, Mike, um, any last words uh, to to us, uh, uh, an encouragement, and being Christians in the world, wherever we are? Well, I think that, you know, so much is changing today uh, from, uh, you know, using Christian terminology to be a light and a life and a love and a servant to people And ultimately, it's about taking the gift, understanding who we are, what God has given us, because everybody is out there wanting something. I need something. And yet, the Bible says that God's already given all things pertaining to life and godliness. And so part of what we have to do is understand who we are, which takes a a big assessment. The longest journey is the one inward. But once we understand that and we can begin to serve people with our gift, you have an impact just because you're unlocked in what you were created to be. And when you flow in that, you impact people. And so, you know, I'm just excited about the opportunity to help people get unlocked and serve with the gift that they've been given and all the resources that God's given people, even if it's just time, as we did in the dumps in Jakarta. They thought they had no resources, and I asked them, do you have time? Yeah, we have time. Nobody's working. I said, well, you've got as much time as a billionaire, maybe more. So you've got resources. You've just got to figure out what they are, what God gave you, and then how to apply it in serving the world. Well, fantastic. One final question, because I've always admired uh, your prophetic gifts and your ability to look at what's going on in the world and see trends and see what, you know, what's happening and, you know, the, the, it's a pretty scary world right now, and I think there's a lot of fear that people feel um, in society. And then, of course, you are very well aware how divided our country is right now. What, when you look at where we are now and what the future is, um, what, what, how do you feel about the opportunities for us as believers right now, and what should we be focusing on? You know, John, we could get into a long discussion on this. Um, yes. I actually wrote yes. a book, just to suffice it to say, we live between the promise of a, fu- a fairy tale future and even immortality. We stand on the edge of immortality in the next 15 years, and uh, the perfect storm because there are so many challenges in our world today. And when we get into the perfect storm uh, and what's going on, uh, because as you know, another network I built globally was the largest faith-based network of disaster responders Mm -hmm. working together in the world called the International Disaster Response Network, 60 countries, over 10,000 members. Um, You know, what I tell people is, you know, today we need to be about our father's business in the way that 
We need to do what he's created us to do and to be. And so worrying doesn't change anything. You know, the fear of false evidence appearing real. People use that. Fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. I think these are very <laughs> exciting times. Uh, I think it's a very exciting time to be alive, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be faced with some challenges. But actually, I think this is our greatest hour. I think this is the time when we can uh, rise up with the revelation and the wisdom and the direction and the leading uh, in a way that nobody else can. We've been given uh, a hotline, a connection um, to walk, you know, in close connection with God who gives Mm -hmm. wisdom and direction. And I believe that we are the hope of the world today. I'm very excited. That's one of the biggest reasons I'm excited about the millennials. I believe that they Mm -hmm. are going to... Uh, experience a movement uh, like the Jesus movement, you know, we talked about in the past. I think we're going to see a huge uh, unleashing of this new generation for the problems that we face today. So we're on yeah. the, you know, not a, I, I'd say we're not on the edge of a blade. We're on the head of a pin. <laughs> you know, it is a precarious <laughs> time, but it's a very exciting time to be alive. It sure is. It sure is. And, and Mike, it's been exciting listening to you tonight. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. This will be encouraging, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be listening to this for uh, some time now as a podcast. All right. So Appreciate it. Thank thanks you for so having much. me on, and thanks for having me on, and look forward to, uh, to talking again. Great. Okay, Mike. Thank you so much. Yep. God Bye-bye bless. now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, folks, that was fantastic. Was that good, huh? Yes. Um, I want to give you, once again, lifeentrepreneur.com. And uh, if you're like me, you you have a tough time spelling entrepreneur, so I'm going to do it for you. It's uh, life and then you don't do the E again. It's just only one E, L-I-F, and then E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com, lifeentrepreneur.com. And that's also for Facebook, and you can find uh, uh, more out about what Mike is doing and uh, get more excited about being alive today. Uh, I love where we ended up here. This is uh, this is really what we need—a encouraging word for all of us. Um, so uh, now I now I got to decide whether I want to go to boot camp or not. But <laughs> this is uh, this is really good, and isn't it great that God is picking people to do things like this uh, in our world that are, that are transforming cultures? So uh, God bless everybody. Um, Join us next week for uh, another incredible interview that's going to open our minds to the world around us and how we can find out what God is doing and get involved. So uh, thank you so much. God bless everybody. Take care. We will see you next week. Remember, grace turned outward. The message to the world. The gospel of welcome. God bless.